0: Welcome to episode five of the To Comply or Not To Comply podcast. I'm your host, AJ Yon, the founder and CEO of ByteCheck, the only all-in-one compliance solution in the cybersecurity industry. I'm super excited about today's episode because we're going to have a debate. We're going to have a conversation with two amazing individuals. We have Chris Roberts here and Rowan Troy, Gentlemen, thank you for joining me.
1: You're welcome.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. Rowan, go for it. Please have the honors first.
1: Oh, super. Well, yeah, Rowan Troy. Senior cybersecurity consultant for Little Fish UK. Um, I'm over in the UK, so it's uh, just gone past nine o'clock here. Um, But I am honoured to be in the presence of uh, two greats from LinkedIn uh, and the purple bearded wonder that is Chris. (laughs) And uh, you know, it's a privilege really to actually actually sit in you know in a virtual room (laughs) to uh, to listen to what Chris has to say. And I'm sure I will learn stuff. And I think that's the important bit here is we're all here to learn. And um, I'm hoping that some of the bits that I add in from my own personal experience around what we're going to talk about will give some people some insight.
2: Yeah, I'll try to do it. I'm being attacked by one of the Great Danes at the moment, so you can't see the video. Although somebody's going to probably have to do a screen grab of this craziness in a moment. But one of them's decided because I'm sitting upstairs in in one of the other offices, and the puppy has decided that he's going to use me as the seat. So if I'm muffled, it's because I've got a great day between me and the microphone. But same thing, no, absolutely honored to be here. And uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to the conversation. There's an industry, and we'll get into this, it's amazing how much faith we have put in certain things. And obviously, compliance and security between them own a lot of that real estate of trust that
0: unfortunately is slightly misplaced in some cases. So yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is going to be a good one. So I'll frame it up for the audience here that's that's listening. A few weeks ago, I posted about SOC 2 reports and I was given some explanation about SOC 2 reports. And Chris and I have had some fun interactions on LinkedIn over the past couple of years. And Chris jumped in the comments and said, and I'm just going to read it word for word because I it, you can't even paraphrase this. He says, it's a SOC 2 report. Let's face it. It's about as useful as a fire starter or spare toilet paper. What do you look at the nearest rubbish bin to file it in? (laughs) And I, even though, you know, I'm in the SOC 2 business and compliance business, I know a lot of people do feel that way. Uh, And I I get it. And I think it's it's a a good thing to have. Rowan jumped in and and wanted to learn more about why Chris felt that way. And there's a great conversation ensuing. And I said, hold on, guys. Let's uh let's do this on the podcast. Let's have this conversation so a lot of people can see it. So you know, we're gonna just talk about the opinions on compliance and some of the flaws with it. And 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 Rowan uh, and you and you know, we'll present some things that you think are good about it. So Chris, I'd love to start with you. You know, you saw this post. You probably were seeing your your seventh compliance post of the day, and you just had enough at that point. Tell me about you know when you get a sock two or you hear people talking about sock twos. What are the challenges from your point of view with with SOC two reports? Why do they belong in the trash? <laughs> I, yeah, it's and, and it's harsh because it, you're right. It was probably it's one of those days.
2: It and it's a frustration. I think it's a frustration. And I'm not honestly not picking on SOC two. To me, it's any compliance. And 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 in the short version is compliance does not equal security. And unfortunately, too many people, too many. And this is, unfortunately, people, sometimes people going into organizations saying, hey, I can get you compliant, you'll be, you'll be safe. There's also a misunderstanding, I think, with a lot of people on the receiving end of it, which is, I am compliant, therefore I am safe. So there's also some miscommunication, misrepresentation. But I think my biggest frustration, which is an industry one, and this is where you know we've got to put all of us in the same boat. We've built an entire security industry over doing nothing more than checking a box. We started off with one box. We're like, oh, we're going to check one box. And then somebody didn't like that box. So they were like, well, we're going to make our own box. You know, the credit card industry made its own box to check. And then healthcare went, well, oh, we don't like your box. We're going to make our own box. And then, Canuck, well, oh, we don't like your boxes. We like our own boxes. And then not only did we make those boxes, what we then did is we turned and said, well, now that we've made the boxes that you have to check, you have to use the right people to check them and by the way you have to buy the right tools and we're going to certify the right tools to buy the right tools to buy the right tech to put the check in the boxes and it's so, it's an incestuous relationship of nothing more I mean, this is the mob this is this is this is racketeering 101 in cybersecurity and it's frustrating because if it was effective we wouldn't have billions of records lost every single year and I'm not saying it's it's a technical issue. I'm not saying it's a compliance issue. I'm saying it's a human issue. So to me, that's that's where a lot of that comes from.
0: Yeah, I think that's a uh, a fair point. And I often, you know, I I agree. Compliance is not security, and people have gotten really confused over the years that thinking that compliance equals security. I do think security equals compliance. Like if people just focus on security, because as you say. There's all of these frameworks out there. They all say basically the same thing. It's just a matter that you're paying someone differently. You're paying high trust. You're paying PCI or you're paying the AICPA. Somebody's getting a check, but they're all saying the same stuff. Uh, and I think the, what, the frustration from a security professional perspective is you know the truth. You know what you're doing from a security perspective. And then the compliance person comes in and asks you questions that have nothing to do with the actual security stuff you're doing, and you have to make a decision. You're like, well... I could tell this auditor the things I'm doing and he wouldn't even understand it. Or I can just check this box with them and go, and make them go away. So I think that's a great way to start. Ron, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, Chris touched on some good points there about you know this this sort of ever expanding web of cyber and in- InfoSec and everyone, you know, has to do this. We didn't like this box, so we made this box. And and there is a lot of standards out there, right? And and I've done Nearly all of the the big ones, except from probably is probably the only one I haven't really touched, um because obviously I'm in the UK, so we don't really get involved with that one. But you know, as I said in my talk to Chris, is that you know then this CSF for me will become the the top one, and it will kind of go that direction. And as we've seen, and we will see with PCI, PCI is very much changing its tune now. It's gone. I'm um, I'm um, no yes no boxes. Actually, do you know what? Instead of doing yes no boxes, what you can do is tell me about your risks essentially how are you going to tell me that you're doing something that I want you to do based on your risk appetite and your risk profile rather than being do you do this yes no pass fail sort of thing so they're going down that route which is very much towards where ISO kind of goes because again ISO is all about the context it's all about what the organization does and not this and you know, the, the big thing for me like Chris was saying about compliance legal security what really annoys me about it is is when people say ah you know, company A over here does this, so we should do it over here. It's kind of like well, actually no, do you really need to do it? You know, and is that something you actually need to 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 pick? And and this is the the misconception everyone's got is that I have to do the whole standard. I have to do everything in it. And it's like, well no you don't. You need to do what's right for your business. And and it's all about that context framing. And it's about understanding your business. Not what Joe blogs is doing down the street, because Joe blogs down the street might have, you know, a Zytel router somewhere that's unpatched, His username is password and pass uh, admin and password something. And then he wants to control that with the control. And it's like, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, that's what drives me mad is when people say, I've, I've done it because this guy's done it, this girl's done it, or yeah you know, this business has done it. And it's like, well, is it relevant for your business to have done that? You know, and, and that's that's the bit that, you know, again, this whole, as Chris said, it's a growth thing we've got going. It gives me a job, gives you a job. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to say I want to get rid of that. But what I do want to understand is the this nature of yeah it, the compliance bit is definitely necessary, and I think it's very powerful if it's used right, and it can be a great business enable if it's used right. But like Chris was saying, the tick boxing thing again drives me nuts. I don't like to just tick boxes. I like to know that someone's doing this. And I think to blame that on companies is probably a little bit harsh. I'd also blame it on some of the cert bodies as well, because some of them are a bit, certainly in the ice realm, some of them are very weak, and they won't dig very far, they'll just go, mm, and they sort of like, peel away a little bit, but my job as an auditor, when I was doing it, is I unpeeled the whole onion, and I was like, right, are you actually doing this? Because I don't believe you, <laughs> and that's, that's what you need, you need people to be going, are you actually doing this, I don't believe you, rather than, oh, I'll show you a policy, and look, it's great, isn't it? But then actually, do you go and talk to people? Do you go and ask people? Do they know where it is? And, and nine times out of 10, they don't They haven't got a clue. You know, and that is what drives me mad.
0: Chris, you were mentioning earlier, like it's a human problem. And Rowan, you talked a little bit about like frameworks are updating. I don't believe the certifying bodies can fix this. Like, I think they're just going to put out what they're going to put out. So Chris, I'd love to hear you more talk about that human problem. Where's the problem? Is it on the auditors? Is it on the companies? Is it just on people in the security industry as a whole? I think Rowan hit the, Rowan hit the point perfectly, which is when we
2: look at it, you go in and you ask questions. The challenge on that one is, is partly it's an adversarial relationship. So we run into the same thing with penetration tests. And this is why I actually don't like doing pen testing anymore. And I I made a point at the beginning of this year to say I'm done because it's adversarial. Rowan, I mean, you're walking going, hey, we're gonna do an audit or an assessment. And everybody's like, ah, crap, we're gonna put them in a room and what can we get away with? And it's the same thing with assessment, you know, walking in, hey, we're going to penetrate you. Well, first and foremost, that's not a nice way to start a conversation. And so you're like, oh, crap, you know, adversarial. Now, if I walk into you and go, hey, let's sit down, let's get a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. I want to ask you some questions. I want to help you. I want to enable you to have a conversation with leadership about budget, about business risk, about all these other things. That's great. But because in not all cases, because in some cases within – the compliance world it is a you know it's it's a punitive thing you know if thou art not compliant thou art is unable to do business and so as a human that's risking my company that's risking a human you know companies are entities so you've put my human at risk therefore i'm going to do everything i possibly can to to pull the wool over your eyes to get a tick in the box and to get you the hell off of my site and hope for the best so unfortunately we haven't approached it right
1: I 100% agree. And I know we wanted to have this debate. and I, But I think at the same time, there is this element of this tick boxing piece. Again, it just enables people to say, yeah, we've done something and we've shown you something. And the auditor goes, yeah, that's great. Well done. And they tick their box and they go. And I do think there is an element of, you know, this, I say the third bodies, they are a bit lightweight in certain areas. And again, I think because there's no real management framework around this at the minute it is just the controls and it's just the framework and people think if I'm compliant to this and I do this and I go into the detail that should be enough but it never is enough really and it's also the same with the penetration testing like you yeah. just said pen testing uh, whilst it has its value obviously what we you know what we have the problem with in all of these things apart from SOC 2 is that there is this point in time piece you know, we're doing this point in time exercise. We're doing this point in time pen test. We're doing this point in time audit, and it's all well and good. And people can, you know, rig it, right? They can rig it, and they can show you all the good stuff. And, and we get it a lot over here. You guys won't get cyber essentials over your way, neck of the woods, but we used to get it a lot here that cyber essentials and cyber essentials plus, which is the government standards now. Obviously, a little bit of a wet fish, if you ask me. I don't think they're great, but do you know what? They're better than nothing. Which is, you know, we have to start somewhere. People would bring like the five best machines they had to be tested. And they would pass, but none of the machines were actually imaged with that test, that build. It was just these five machines they built just of us. And every time a customer said to me, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to make them all the same. What will happen is someone will randomly pick them now, you see. So they can't just produce the five in front. And it's that, and it just makes you wonder when these people think about these frameworks, did they not think that people just are just going to rig it? You know, they're not, they're not invested in it. They're there, they're there to get the tick box. They're there to get the cert so they can do business. But do they actually want to apply all that stuff? Well, that's a lot of our work that I don't really want to do that. I don't want to change my company culture. I like it as it is, you know. <laughs> and and that's, that's the frustration I think we as security professionals, if you want to call us that, that's the frustration we get. Because we know and we see it day in, day out. And I see we're talking about the same stuff we've been talking about for 10, 15 years. And we're still talking about it now. And I reckon in 2030, we'll still be talking about it then. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that's the killer.
2: <laughs> well, let's add the other thing on as well let's talk about the business aspect and this i think is the other part of the bit this is the other part of the equation that has to change and, I, and i'm lumping Two into this one if i go in let's say you know let, let's say you know rowan you're my client i walk into you it's at my behest to make you happy so that you bring me back next year mm-hmm. well if i get if i don't let you pass or i i, I don't tick half of the boxes for you You're going to tell me to sod off and you're going to go find somebody else to do the bloody work because you don't like me because I ask too many awkward questions. I, you know, you said it yourself, you're the one that's going to dig. Well, you're not going to get repeat business. Oh, hell, you're going to bugger off. I don't want to deal with you unless it's an enlightened client that wants to learn.
0: Mm.
2: And so there's that really, you know, it's, if I, we, we, I remember running into it when I used to run PCI audits. You know, we'd walk on site and the client's like, well, can you just adjust it? And they're like, and got and, and more often than on it. was like, no, you wouldn't get a callback. They didn't want to deal with you. They go find somebody else, you know, basically the pen testing puppy mill. Um, yep. who were just, yeah, no problem. You Now PCI solved that by making the reporting people liable as well. So, but it was still, it's a mess. Yeah.
1: And, and there's was, there was too many of them as well. That was the thing. There's too many reports to be able to make them liable. That's the thing, right? Such yes. a big framework. And and that's what I found as a QSA, is that I would go into places and to customers as the new QSA, because the previous QSA had gone or they're doing something else. And I'd go, well, where's this? Oh, we well, didn't ask that last time. It's <laughs> like, yeah, but the standard clearly asks for that. So where is it? And And you're right. It didn't get repeat business. Yeah, I got them. They got through it, but then they turned around and said, "Actually, no, we're going to go over here next year." You know, and that is that is a problem in itself because you do want to have the business. You need to be able to make the money. You know, Um, and and it all it all feeds back to that. But that was the that was one of the biggest things I found with PCI. But then I said to them, "Look, it's my name on the line here." You know, I've signed the code of ethics to be a QSA, to be a CISP, to be a CISA. You know, I'm putting my name on the line and I won't put my name on the line unless you're willing to do the work and produce the stuff you need to do me.
0: There's an opportunity here, right? We either need to come up with something new <laughs> and, and just say, we're not going to participate in these other frameworks anymore. And, and that takes a lot of challenges because to the business point, these are in contracts. Contracts require you to have a stock to or have an ISO or whatever, depending on where you live. Yeah. Or... I'm a big fan of SOC 2. And the reason I'm a big fan of SOC 2 is because you can actually enumerate and describe real controls. You can actually talk about true security things. You cannot have a control that just says a penetration test was performed. You can actually say what type of penetration test? What, was it just somebody doing a random bone scan of your marketing website? Or did they actually do something to test that you're protecting your customer's data? The problem there is we're relying on auditors to have the technical knowledge to ask those questions and come up with those controls. So there's a challenge there, but I think that's where, you know, technology and automation has to come in. But I'd love to hear you, your thoughts because I, I think SOC 2 has the opportunity because it's so flexible for us to do this, but it requires a lot of like cultural changes as well, or we just blow it all up and create something new. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. It
2: gives you the ability to have flexibility, which means everybody's going to, not everybody, most people are going to do lowest common denominator. And if, if I don't like AG, if I don't like the answer you give me, I'm gonna to go to Rowan. If I don't like Rowan's answer, I'm gonna to go to the puppy mill that gives me the answer I want. And until I, I think until several things happen. One, everybody is standardized. So we have we have one set of one set of rules, rules, regs, and compliance, whatever you want to call it, and we have one very, very defined set of individuals that apply it. Across, it doesn't matter who you are. You can call Ryan up, you call AJ, and you call me up. You're going to get the same freaking answer. And at that point in time, companies realize they have to do something. They can't wheedle it out by calling one of us and playing one off against the other. So, you know, standard pricing, standard setup, standard QA, standard freaking answers, standard testing. Nobody gets to take me out and whine me and dime me and get a tick in the box. Now, for that to happen, I love my utopia and my unicorns, but that's about as far out as that one goes.
1: <laughs> you've said the word there the unicorn word right and, and that's what people are looking for they're looking for these unicorns to be very technical but also have that GRC have that kind of that that sort of holistic view of, of an organization um, but then know all this technical stuff now I was technical for, for 13 years and then I I switched sides I came to the dark side they had cookies and, and, and I thought to myself wow this is like a completely different game now I'm, I'm actually focused on this area rather than having sort of all of it but, you know, I know I say and I'm, I'm honest about my knowledge about AWS and Azure and all those things. I know how they work. I know how they're meant to be. Could I actually implement them? No, I couldn't. I would, I'd be honest about that. How we ends up and say, no, it's definitely not for me. But I think that's the thing, you see, you, having that set standard would be would be amazing. It would be great to have that. And I think SOC2 does have the, the most flexibility out of all of them to do it. And in my opinion, it is the best of all of them. They're the ones I've had to endure for years and years and years. You know, I sat and did SOC two from my previous organization for six for a six month period only. And it took me the best part of three, three, four weeks just to get the right info and the right people, you know, really to go to town on it. And these guys that came from the States, they came they flew over from the States, they did the audit for me. They were amazing, great guys, and they were literally thorough. They they wanted to see everything. And and that's that's the kind of person you want doing this sort of stuff. You need those real thorough people to kind of get into the nitty gritty and go, do you really do this? You know, and I know people will say, well, SOC 2, you can write your own rules kind of thing. I was like, "Mm, you can to an extent, (laughs) but don't forget it's that person's name on the line when they sign that dotted line and say, like with PCI, I've attested to this. And I like the SOC 2 thing. I know a lot of companies hide their SOC 2 reports, which I find really bizarre because I've always found it as being like, it's the thing you want to have because a, it will get rid of an auditor most of the time because they just want to know about some really high level stuff. They're not they're not going to dig. And B, it's it's just a time saver for all those internal people, you know. And that's what I did it for because I thought I'm having audits like from several customers every year. It's taking days of my time up. Yeah, I could. If they keep asking me for a SOC 2, if I give them a SOC 2, will they go away? Yes, they will. So, you know, that, that saves me the time as well. But I did it properly. I did it thoroughly. I wanted to know how to do it you know, from, from A to B and not just go, Oh, hang on a minute. We can just write some controls that match that ticker box. Go away. <laughs> it's just not how, it's not how I personally operate because I've am i I've got something called a, a moral center and some ethics that I have signed that says I will do it properly. And I will be professional, you know,
2: you and I know as well as we do though. I mean, how many people have signed off on that CISSP bloody ethics thing and have just wandered off into the white blue yonder. That's again, it's, it's humans. It comes down to your own, you said, in on both ethics and everything else. I think the other thing is as well, which is interesting, as, it was, as we were talking about it, I'm like, it's there's also an argument to say we're doing it wrong. So there's a part of me that does want to throw the Molotov cocktail at it and say, let's do it differently. Because when you think about it, we go into organizations and start asking questions after the house is built. It's already up. Mm-hmm. It's already done. If I'm going to have to change anything, it's a forklift and it's a lot of work. I would be interested, especially with the movement, You know, we see a lot of movement now in the DevSecOps community, is how could we build a better level of compliance as we are building the foundations, putting the bricks in, laying the electrical cables, putting everything in, and like we do literally in the building industry. You want to do that next piece? Somebody's signing off on it. If we could do something akin to that, like somebody comes in and says, hey, I want to put SAP Oracle in, well, great. Number one, yes, they are certified and they're sorted out, but as every single step of the way goes along, there is a trusted source that goes in and says, yeah, I'm signing off on this. This has actually been done properly. That at least gives you a decent baseline. Then you can actually turn and say, hey, now we will actually put the things in place to keep the thing running properly as it goes on. That, I think, is
0: also sorely missing. Yeah. The problem there is that most people don't think about compliance until somebody from the business asks for it, either a customer, an investor, somebody external. So like I interact with people all the time and they're like, Well, you know, I got asked about this one time, but I don't know if I should do it yet. And I'm like, Do you do you not think you'll get asked again? Like your plan is to grow your business, I think. So at some point you're going to get asked for this stuff, but nobody does it proactively, Chris. And I think yeah. then it comes down to Put the wool over the auditor's eyes or redo my entire architecture because I set it up wrong or I'm building things wrong. And another thing is, a lot of the compliance frameworks don't get into AppSec. They don't talk about application security, they don't dive deep into that stuff. And that's the missing piece, too, because you talk about DevSecOps is all about moving security earlier in the pipeline. Yeah. Compliance yeah. isn't there. It's a scary where you think everything
2: is going. You think of where we're heading at high speed. Here's the other thing, and you just said it yourself, they think of compliance as something they do in this. I think this comes with wisdom over age and years. I don't look at compliance anymore, and haven't for a long time as a barrier. To me, it's that enabler. It is that ability to put metrics in place. It is that ability to actually help an organization understand where they are from a maturity standpoint, to help them understand all the areas, both physical, digital, and all the other stuff, you know, policies, procedures, and controls, where they are. If you think of it as an enabler and how do you grow the business effectively, it's great because now I can understand where I am, where I need to be, where I want to be, where I have to be. You can measure it. But we don't think of it. We do think of it as that, oh, crap, i got to go through compliance. Well, no, it shouldn't be. I've got to go through it. It's, hey, what did we do this week? What did we do this month? How did the architecture review board go? How did this and this and this go? Great. We are on track. You know, We run our business to actually build that into the system. So I think also our, our attitudes towards it are wrong, says the guy that wants to basically throw SOC 2 into the rubbish bin and use it as toilet paper. So, you know, <laughs> not calling own Kettle black, let's face it at this point. Yeah, exactly. I think you
1: you mentioned two things in your, your bit, AJ. One of the things you mentioned there was about this building it from the start. And I think... The problem is, is entrepreneurship, entrepreneurialism, shall we say. People want to build a business and they want to build it fast. They, they they want to get there quickly. And obviously compliance is something that slows things down a bit because it's like, oh, hang on a minute, let's take a step back and let's look at how we're doing these things. And they're like, no, 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 I want to accelerate. I need to get there. I want to get my product out there. I want to do it. It's going to be great, fabulous. And we don't really need to worry about this now because we're a startup. That is the excuse I get. It's we're a startup. And I had customers last year and we were talking to them about you know, being VC, so for them, you know, starting to get them some framework. They're a startup company, 25 people. And, and they were like, no, no, that's too expensive. It's going to take too long. We need to get this going and the yada, yada, yada. And it's like, OK, fine. I'll see you in a year's time when you come to me and say, well, we've done all this. And now people are asking us for this standard and we don't have it. How do we get there? And we get these 200 question questionnaires and they want us to answer all this and we don't know anything about it. How do we get there? Well, if you'd have started this from the beginning, you'd have all the answers already. And that is key thing. The other key thing that Chris mentioned was about maturity. And this 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 sort of annoys me as well about this whole industry thing is that people think, oh, yeah, I can do a maturity assessment against how good I am at this standard, right? And the thing is, who's defining what's mature? What's the definition of mature? Certainly with 27,001, I've seen people try and do maturity scoring. Now, you can use things like COVID-5, which is fine. Um, And and that's a great, great way to do it. But some people will do it in a very subjective way. They'll have an auditor or someone assessor will come in and say, yeah, this is a really mature control. But who said it's mature? Is it because you've been into a government institution, you've got like, you know, level four, and therefore, if they're the same, that means they must be mature. And that, again, is is who's defining that maturity. And that, that is something else I think we struggle with, is that we're trying to get ourselves to be better at this game all the time it's a continue it should be a continuous cycle of improvement but what we do find is you get all these people trying (laughs) to plug maturity assessments and maturity gigs and they're basing that on their experience rather than something concrete and that's something else that i think is a particularly difficult part of our industry
2: years ago back in homeland neck of the woods did a bunch of work with nhs And we actually ended up building up a maturity standard for them. And it had absolutely nothing to do with anything else other than, and I still use it today. When I go in and do a quick, literally a quick, when somebody's like, hey, how am I doing? I'm like, well, you're screwed because you're having to ask me that question and you don't know it yourself. Let's start with the easy one. I said, and secondly, I'll go through, I'll take like 853 or even some of the ISO stuff. I've taken the high level without going into the weeds. I've taken the high level like 10, 11, 12 domains or whatever it is at this point in time Mm -hmm. with all the various ones. And I'll actually go through. And from a maturity standpoint, it's for me. I've got us five things. Number one, have you even heard of it? Let's start with the easy one. You know, if we talk about you know ownership, ownership, ownership of the issue. Well, number one, do you even do you even understand what it is? Number two, does somebody even actually wear the hat? Number three, not only do they wear the hat, but is it recognized? Number four, are they actually doing anything about it? And number five, you're kicking ass in. You know, you, you're the ones leading the pack. I've broken it down that way. And it's actually really useful because I don't need everybody leading the pack. I need some people just in some parts of their business to adhere to certain things. I do need some people to challenge them. You need some people to lead it. So even just having an awareness sometimes within an organization helps them go, oh, We don't know what we don't know. Now you've shown us what we don't know. Now we know we need to put it on a roadmap. And we need to do more than just recognize, you know, level zero. I recognize the fact it's there. Congratulations, you've done sod all about it. (laughs) And so for me, that maturity is, it's a human maturity. It's how much have you gone, oh, I now know about it all the way through to, hey, we're kicking ass. We're giving talks at conferences on this. Mm
0: -hmm. You'd mentioned in the beginning, Chris, that compliance is an adversarial relationship. And and you talk about like pen tests in the same way where like you come in and you're like, hey, I'm going to break in. I'm going to break in and, and destroy your environment and show you everything that you're flawed. Can we get security professionals to stop looking at it that way? As like, a, And we can say, like, hey, this is a way for you to find out if you're good or not. I was Our first episode of this podcast, I flee Frederick Lee, the CISO at Gusto, gave a good analogy. He was like, when I go to the doctor and I stand on the scale, I don't get mad that the scale says 200 pounds. I don't get mad at what the scale is telling me. I, I decide I got to go out and Change what I'm doing or keep doing what I'm doing, whatever it may be, if you're if you're comfortable with whatever you're at. But the scale is not wrong. But for some reason in compliance, the auditors or the framework or in pen test, it's like the penetration test is wrong. It's like, no, we're this is to help you. So I think it depends on how it's couched. I think it's a perfectly way of looking at how
2: it's couched. And this is this is one of those things, at least on the pen testing side, especially. I, I have seen people do that. They've literally walked up and gone. I say I'm here to penetrate you. You know, like, uh, what the F? And by the way, I've got ponies and I've got pineapples to do it with. And you're like, uh, did you bring the lube? And so, you know, at that point it gets a little nasty and a little kind of crazy because at that you one, you're not talking their language. Secondly, you've walked in and you're like, hi, I'm gonna show you up. I'm gonna plant a damn flag in the middle of your data center in the physical and digital sense, I'm gonna show you up. That's not nice. If you walk in and sit down with somebody and say, hey, I got coffee and donuts or tea and biscuits, and I, let's sit and have a conversation. Hey, that computer you're using, what would happen if I took it? You know, on the way in, I, I kicked out the power cable to the UPS that's getting the data center. What's that going to do to you? Hey, your senior technical guy, yeah, I see that they've got all the passwords and, you know, she's got them all on this thing. She's just been eaten by a guru. What are you going to do? If you suddenly set those sets of conversations, all of a sudden, it becomes a conversation. Then they bring in the business and legal and compliance. And all of a sudden, you're having a collaborative discussion over the fact I just walked off with a laptop. It's way easier. And I think the same thing is is with the compliance stuff. Unfortunately, in so many cases, it's a a two-part. People haven't got the social skills to walk in and go, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to actually help you defend and fight for maybe budget. I'm here to help you understand how to collaborate with the business I'm here to help you because outside of your four walls, the world is a nasty place. We kind of need to understand, and you've probably got to understand a little bit more effectively as to what's coming at you and why and how. So, hey, let's have a conversation. And by the way, you know, I got tea and biscuits. I'm ready for you.
1: Oh, Yo, it's tea and biscuits definitely for me. So, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very up right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I
2: think ah. I think you're
1: on the same track as where I am. And I think when I was defending the keep, I had auditors that were really sort of painful. And they were really. Like, if they found something, they got really upset about it. They were like, they were, just, oh, it was, it's the worst thing ever. And then when I turned into an auditor and I, I, I started doing that on the offensive side, I said to myself, I'm not going to be like that because I don't think there's any need for it, and also I don't think it helps anyone. And um, so when I did my audits, if I, if I said, you know, show me this, and they say I can't, like, okay, let's move on, uh, and we move on, and and uh, the feedback I always used to get from from my line managers was like it was really like kind of pleasant and he and didn't really ever go at us when we didn't have anything. And I, I don't understand why <laughs> I was like, well, cause it doesn't help anyone. But what I wanted to do was show them and say, well, when you do this next time, this is what you'll need to demonstrate, you know? And I think you're right. It's about having that conversation rather than just penetrate someone, go in and go, yeah, look, I've got through your firewall. I've got through your web application firewall. I got through your IDS IPS. It's all, it's all dead to me. I'm inside now and I can do all this. And they're looking at it and they're going, Oh, it's all red. What do we do? You know, rather than just going and, and the same with audits as well. It's it's the same with audits, just going, Oh, well, here's here's your audit report, here's all of the findings that I've got, you know, your sock twos and your type 2, type one and type twos, you know, you've got all those findings, you've got the exceptions at the end. And that's what I do with SOC twos, right? I go to the exceptions. I want to see what they didn't do. I'm great with all that they did do, that's all fantastic. But what didn't they do? And that's what I like about it. And that's why I like it. You know, it's got this, this very separate section that says, Here's the exceptions. But the good thing is you get a chance to justify that and you get a chance to justify why that happened whereas with others there's no real justification it's either yeah or nay uh, and that's why i think it's a level above the others because there's a chance that you know if you missed a walkthrough of the server room one day because there wasn't there was two people off sick you can say on this day we missed this walkthrough two people off sick okay fair enough that's going to happen we're all human right and and that's that's where i think we need to get to in this in this field we need to get to that point where we actually realize there are humans involved here we're not robots we're not machines we can't do everything 24 7 365 we do have to have a break
2: take humans out of the equation it's a lot bloody simpler
1: yeah skynet skynet's coming soon right
2: <laughs> i'm working on it i tell you it's going to come soon with a part english and scottish accent, and it will demand its cup of tea in the morning <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I think to wrap us up here, I'd love for each of you, you know, Rowan, I think, you know, you've said SOC 2 is something that you like, you know, make the case for for why we need to continue to do compliance. And then, Chris, you know, I want to hear what do we do instead? If if we just tomorrow we wake up and we blow up all the frameworks, what are we going to do instead of compliance? And and Rowan, what do you think? Uh, How can you convince someone on the security side that is not a believer in compliance that SOC 2 or some other framework is the right thing to do? It's always
1: tricky because we've got time and money. They're always the biggest factors in these things. And, and they do take time and money to get these right. But getting them right does create a business enabler. And that's the key bit, right? If you want to grow your business, you, know, you can take any of these frameworks. And if you do them right, it can actually lead to new business, not just because you've got a cert on the wall, but because you're able to demonstrate to a company that comes in and says, I actually want to see this stuff for real. I don't want you just to produce a certificate. I want to see the processes. I want to see your data center. I want to see your staff. I want to talk to them. And there are people who just start doing it. I started doing that over here now. They will go into places and they will dig a little bit deeper. I certainly do when I do my due diligence because I don't just take it word for word anymore. I don't have to. I'm not an auditor anymore. <laughs> so I can actually go a little bit further. But yeah, for me, I think, you know, from stock 2 perspective, I think it is the most flexible. It can be customized to the organization. And that's what it definitely needs. You need that context without that trying to apply a framework or anything without context, it's, it's a fool's game. And 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 all you're doing is ticking a box then. And and there's no point in doing it. Don't bother. Don't waste your money and your time ticking a box. Either do it right or don't do it. You know, as simple as that. So I'm I'm you know, I would convince someone to to go down that route of of looking at SOC two, looking at twenty seven thousand and one. They've both got their merits, they've both got the disadvantages, but I just believe that just having done them all and PCI and everything else Two for me felt like the more compatible for any type of business, and this is the great thing: all of these compliance frameworks can apply to a business that's five people wide. I've done an ISO twenty-seven thousand one implementation for five people. It doesn't have to be for five thousand; it can be for five, and it can work really well uh, because you can pick and choose and you can select things that are going to apply to you. Some things won't, but people get this misconception: they see an ISO name and they see the brand, they see the the sock two brand, and they go, oh, it's too big for me. I'm not going to do that. It's way too much. But if you've got the right kind of implement and the right kind of auditor understands a business and understands that context, compliance is a, it's a, it's a easy win. Easy win.
2: I got an easy answer, which is basically burn the whole thing down, clone Rowan, and and off we go. I mean, that's really what we need. It's simple, done, Sort. I'm going to clip that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to clip that. I want that bit. Because <laughs> it's true. I, I think it's, to me, it's like anything in this industry. You said it. If it's worth doing, do it right kind of attitude. We have too many fiefdoms. Let's start with the easy one. Choose a flag, one flag, and be done with it. You know, and if that's SOP2, if that's the nearest, if it's ICE, I don't, I actually don't care because I think you're right. You can do it effectively across the board at any scale. But I think the problem is, is we have too many people trying to do it too many different ways. And that's the big companies having to do it. And now they're sending it all down to their third parties and supply chain and saying, well, now you've got to adhere to this. It's And you're getting it in from 25, 35, 45 different ones. So I think number one is literally burn it all down, take everybody's fiefdoms away from them and we come up with one. Now doing that is going to be a nigh on impossible task, but I think it's the only way that we can do it effectively. Number two. I'll go back to the, you know, cloning conversation, which is yeah, you clone Rowan and be done with it. End of conversation on that one. Working on cloning technology, by the way. <laughs> and I think number three is we need to do it earlier in the process. Waiting back to that, waiting until that the house is built is, in analogy, is not good. Getting in front of the development teams, getting in front of the application teams, leveraging what we're trying to do on the DevSecOps movement and building the compliance in there. Because if I build it right the first time, I don't have to go back and do the bloody thing again. Updating it, no issues. Got that built into my process. But actually building it right the first time, got you covered if you help me understand what I need to do.
1: Yeah, I think there's two edges there. Measure twice, oh, cut once. Yeah, there we go. Do
0: it yeah, once right, there or do go. it twice. Yeah. There we go. Measure <laughs> twice, cut once. That's the best way of looking at it. Perfect. We might name the episode that Rowan, Or we're going to name it Cloning Rowan. Either <laughs> one. I think this has been awesome because it highlights that you know, compliance can play an important role. It it can be an important factor in this whole thing, but we have to actually want to do it. We actually have to add the security value. I I'm with it. You know, I'm Running a business in the compliance space, but let's blow it up and let's start over and let's let's get this thing to where people care about it. Where we have penetration tests, we have vulnerability scans, we have MDR, SIEM tools, all incorporated into what compliance is, so that it's real data. No more smoke and mirrors, no more screenshots. Just let me know what's going on. Let me see the truth, and then we just go ahead and go about our lives. And hopefully, we can get there. I think you know, obviously, like you said earlier, it's a unicorn. We we got a long way to go before we get there. But conversations like this, where people can hear from security professionals and hear like, yeah, compliance could be good. I know all of us hate it. That's why my company's tagline is make compliance suck less because it sucks when people agree that it sucks. But if we all kind of, you know, understand that there's a reason for it, there's a business decision behind it, we can get it better. So uh, Chris and Rowan, thank you so much for joining me. I think this is going to be an amazing episode for our listeners. Super excited to get this out. Any last words before we hop off?
1: Well, um, all I can say is it's been great fun. I was super stoked when you sent me a message saying, do you want to come on a podcast with Chris Roberts? And I was like, what? I think he's having a laugh. It was New Year's somewhere around between Christmas and New Year's as well. I thought he might have been drunk something. I'm just going, oh, yeah, I just did this podcast. It'd be great. Um, but you know, honestly, it has been a great pleasure. And um, and it's been fun to to have a chat about this stuff and get some of those things that have been probably sat on my heart for a long time about you know, the things that are wrong in this industry. Now, there are many more, but there are some very good things about it as well. So for me, it's been great fun. I, I really enjoyed
2: it. I like the same, com- the, the same conversation. Fantastic being able to sit down with the two of you. Absolutely honoured to be able to do it. Just totally cool, just being able to, and go through it. I think you said it. There's a way of doing it, and there's a way of doing it properly. You know, Be it not just having an awareness, but actually helping a company understand where it's going. Security is not an end goal. It is a it's a continual path. No two ways about it. It's a game of chess, continual path, whatever you want to call it. The sooner we understand what we actually are doing, the better chance we have of, quite honestly, questioning a lot more. And then we can use it on the vendor side, which means we get to trust a little bit less because now we can hold people accountable, which we have done good. So, yeah, I think it can be a good enabling tool, but we've got to get it right first. So thank you again. Much appreciated.
0: Yep. Thank you all. And everyone out there, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. If you didn't also give us a five-star rating. We're cool either way. Thanks. And see you on the next to comply or not to comply podcast. Thanks for joining us.